Welcome to Unleash Your Career, the careers development radio show and podcast from Phoenix Radio Studios at the University of Southern Queensland Springfield campus. I'm Spencer Nelson, and with me, as always, is Lou Bromley. Hello, Lou. Hello, Spencer. Mm. I have a very special guest today. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to hear from Kelly Pfeffer. So when I started to get into grad recruitment and graduate development, there was Kelly Pfeffer, and she was in the scene as a graduate development guru, as a graduate recruiter guru, and she is still there in Gradland, as I like to call it. She is also the board of the cha- um, for the chair of the board, in fact, for the Australian Association of Graduate Employers. And she brings a wealth of experience from the public sector as well as the private sector. And one of the things why I got Kelly on today is because she talked really well at the last AAGE, that's the Australian Association of Graduate Employers for short, at our last roundtable where unis get together, where providers get together with people who hire grads. And she spoke really well about how they use psychometric testing or some sort of testing to make a choice on whether you get through the next round. And I thought, I want people to hear this. Because sometimes, you know, right, you look at some of these online tests and think, what the hell has this got to do with the job I'm going for? It can provoke a bit of rage. Yeah, I'd be, I'd think I'm not going to get this job if I'm going to be tested psychologically. I'd be freaked out by it completely. And some of the tests are actually time-based. You're not actually supposed to finish them. And that can make uh. people feel really nervous. I'm bummed out. You know, I've bombed that. I didn't get to f- finish it. It's not like doing a multi-choice exam at uni where you've got two hours to get in there and do it. So I thought it'd be good to hear from Kelly about this, about what are these aptitude tests, psychometric tests and other forms of testing, but what do they reveal to the companies? And let's do a bit of demystifying about what's going on. So hello, Kelly. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> So Kelly, I want to set the scene a bit about some of the tests that you've used mm. to make a recruitment decision about whether you want to meet these people through the next round. Sure. Um, so I've used online tests myself, I suppose, for about 10 years now. I, um, my very first grad role, I was actually at Queensland Treasury at the time. And um, at that point in time, they were still doing written applications Um, And at that time, I think I got about 300, 350 applications and it literally took me about four weeks just to read them all. And I thought there's got to be a better way to do this, but also a less subjective way to do it as well. There's got to be something out there that actually gives me more information about candidates that um, is more reliable and not just relying on my own opinion about what's in their resumes or what they've written in their applications. So that's when I really first started branching out into the the psychometric world of, of, of tests and things like that. And I think, you know, over the, over the period of time, it's become much more of a normal part of graduate recruitment processes. I think you'll find most organisations use them in some way or other to help them in that hiring process. But the ones I use at the moment um, are, are ones where they're usually called cognitive ability type tests. So it might assess your numerical ability or your logical problem-solving ability um, or even verbal, so the way you process information and interpret information. Um, And then there's other assessments that we're using now that have been specifically built for um, the organisation I'm in now, which is Suncorp, and they've been specifically built around our organisational cultural needs. 
um, and the behaviours that we expect um, in our organisation. So they're sort of the main ones and then and we also um, have started using the video interview tools as well. Kelly, can I just jump in here and, and ask, mm-hmm. it, it, just to clarify, this is before you even decide who's yep. going to get an interview? Yes. So, and I think that's probably one of the hardest things for the students these days as well is there is so much of the recruitment process that's done without even either speaking to or seeing someone from the organisation. And I think that's, um, that's where I know we've, you know, it's, it's getting that balance between the art and the science of recruitment. But um, I think with just with the number of applications that you get these days, unfortunately, a lot of the process is without actually speaking to someone. Wow. So, when you're, <laughs> so Kelly, when you're getting these results coming through, so let's take that number 350 um, yep. of those applications you had, you get 350 yep. test reports coming through of mm-hmm. applicants. Mm-hmm. How do you make a captain's pick then of who's going to get through to the next stage? Like what, mm. what's the selection that goes on behind the scenes? Well, I suppose that's the beauty of the advancement in technology as well um, in that, th- and I'm not an org psych, so I, w- I won't say that I am qualified to say how it works, but um the organisations that we use the testing products from, um, there is a science in behind the test that helps to identify which candidates better, and based on how they've responded to the questions, better match what we are looking for um, based on some benchmarks that we have set. And And it actually puts those 350 candidates in a ranking order for us. And so we're able to, and we get that immediately, so it's instant. And so we're able to say, right, our benchmark is this, so all the candidates who have achieved that will then be invited to the next stage. And when you say benchmark, is that like the cutoff? Like you have to achieve a minimum? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the benchmark, and quite honestly as well, the benchmark can be different if across the different roles that we're recruiting for as well. Um, so, for example, if we're recruiting in information technology, we might place a higher bank benchmark on logical reasoning because we need them to be problem solvers, whereas in the finance area, we we'll pro- might put a higher benchmark around the numerical reasoning because obviously they need to be good with numbers. So, across even within our organisation, we can have different benchmarks for the different roles depending on what it is that we're looking for. So one of the things I'd like to hear from you, how can you resist the rage? Like preparing mm-hmm. for online tests, like mm-hmm. there's banks of them out there. I could Google mm-hmm. hundreds yep. and hundreds that I can do to practice. But mm-hmm. getting in and it's, you're just looking at it going, but what's this got to do with the job? Like mm. from I'm thinking the old, my old psych days in my undergraduate yep. degree, it lacks a bit of face validity. So how can you move yep. past that and focus on doing the best you can? Well, I think I think the first step is just acceptance that this is going to be part of the process. Um, but also, you know, at the end of the day, we all have a choice as well. So, if it is, you know, if you are, if it's something that you really are, don't want to do or or against it, I mean, you don't have to apply for the role. But I think, like as I alluded to, a lot more organisations are now using these processes. Um, it's just, I think, first step is to accept that you're going to have to do it. Second step 
is to, like you said, do some research and at least just get an understanding of what these tests are looking for mm. and how they are, you know, how they might be delivered to you as a candidate. So what might they look like? And a lot of the providers have some sample tests that you can do on their websites just so that you can have an understanding of what are the types of questions I might get asked or how does this work or what does it look like before you then obviously do the real thing for, for an employer's application process. Um, the other hard thing too, I think, is there are some assessments that you can't really practice for either. Um, yes, that's true. Yep. Yeah, so while, yes, you, you do your research to understand how it works and what it looks like, it's not necessarily something that you can practice or get better as. Um, so because it's my understanding that particularly with the cognitive ability assessments, um, you know, they say that you're, you know, doing the different assessments, your cognitive ability isn't going to actually differ that much. Um, so it's just, I think, to help you prepare, it's just about more about that awareness and understanding how they work. That's probably comforting for someone who is capable and yes. will pass a test. But if you're someone who's, who's done a degree and you start to do these tests and you start to twig that you're not passing any of them, it's hard, isn't it, to hear you say you, you can't really practice, you're not really going to get any better with that. Yeah, I is know. It, is, I'm I, just thinking, Kelly, to respond to Spencer, is it more about getting comfortable with the testing, yeah. like practising the testing environment rather than the content? I think content? so. I yeah, think so. Okay. And, it's, and it's kind of – and it's, it's stuff too, like as you said before, Lou, around, you know, even just the simple thing of candidates thinking that they had to answer all the questions within the time that was allocated, um, that causes – unnecessary stress I think which is obviously going to affect how you complete the test so I think the more you understand about them and the more you know about what to expect hopefully that will you know allow them to complete the assessment more, more naturally and and do the best that they can. I wonder whether this is in particular industries more prevalent yeah. as a method is it because i'm sitting Absolutely. here listening to the, i've i've only once been involved in recruitment and it was at the abc and it was for a reporter and and i was talking to someone in abc recruitment yesterday in fact um and one of the things he said to me was um often if you if uh, Rather than relying on people who've applied, this is when you're looking for a presenter, a radio presenter, for example, at the ABC, rather than going through all those applications, if we know someone who's been going through uni, who's done some interning, um, we get a much better sense of them than we get from the job application. And I just, I don't know whether there is this sort of testing at, in arts organisations. No, it is definitely different. And I think um, it's definitely more prevalent in graduate program recruitment um, because of just, and probably what's driven it more is actually the number of graduates being um, sort of coming out of the universities as well. So as an example, we had 50 roles at the, at the beginning of this year for which we got nearly 3,000 applications. Mm. So you, you just can't physically look at 3,000 applications. Um, yeah, so I'm doing need, the maths. If 350 you need, yeah. took you yeah, four yeah, weeks, yeah. that's a whole yeah. year. As opposed to that one reporter position that I was involved in, and we probably got 80 applications, and probably only 20 of them actually um, addressed all of the selection criteria. So 60 yeah. just didn't even get looked at. So right. then you've actually got a manageable number. 
Yeah, I, I guess. And and you know, and it, you know, and there's a whole heap of offshoot issues that are probably coming out these days as well. So I know organisations who still do it a traditional way. Um, so a lot of legal firms and stuff still do the whole written application, resume, things like that, um, which is fine. But then we've got this other thing out there now called Airtasker, where graduates are, are sourcing people to write their resumes and applications for them. So, you know, you've got both sides of, you know, I suppose as a recruiter there's constant challenges around how can we actually find the right people at the end of the day because we've got all these different things um, sort of coming at us that we're trying to get around. Now, Kelly, I've been mm. on Whirlpool forums. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen anonymous oh, posts. Why? <laughs> yeah. Who's not on there if you're in graduate recruitment? Now, I've mm-hmm. been looking at anonymous posts by forum mm-hmm. users of how you get someone else to do the online test for you. Mm. How does... Talk to us about how that backfires for them. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, because um, really online testing just gives you that little bit of insight into a person to help you make a decision on whether they get to the next stage. But, you know, by the time someone goes through the whole process and, and eventually you do actually meet them face to face. So as, as a recruiter, when you do finally get to meet those candidates face to face, you're then trying to actually validate everything that you've learnt about that person right up and up to that moment. So if if what you meet face to face doesn't match what you've um, sort of got to know about that person before that point, then you still you you can't really make a hiring decision about that person because you've got some doubts then around well is can this person actually do this role because what they're telling us doesn't match what's showing through here or you know the way that they're behaving in a group situation isn't matching how they um, you know fared on this test type thing so you, it'll create doubt and, and what that will mean is is you then don't have the confidence to go ahead and offer them the role anyway. And that's a really good point. Like selection is not done in isolation at each stage. No, it is not. all linked, and yep. you're you're validating each process. So that's absolutely. I think that's a word of from the wise to those yep. who might be tempted. Um, yeah. And also, you're going to assume too that the person you're getting to do it for you will actually meet the benchmarks. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's ouch! Right. What if they don't? What if you could have? So that's exactly. a complete fail too. Life moves fast. At the University of Southern Queensland, you can study when you want and how you want. Because we care about you, with personalised support throughout your entire learning journey, whether you choose to study on campus, online, full-time, part-time or a combination to suit your busy life, visit the number one Queensland university provider for online study at usq.edu.au slash yourfuture. That's where you'll find your future your way. Oh, oh, the future's starting now. This is Unleash Your Career, the careers development radio show and podcast. I'm Spencer Houston. Lou Bromley is here, and our special guest this week is Kelly Pfeffer. Now, Spencer, when you hear about the words online interviews, I mean, it sounds like you might be just talking over Skype to a panel or somebody else. And indeed, you might. But a lot of employers now are starting to use this term to refer to. It's kind of like a form of online testing because it's all pre-recorded. And now our special guest today is Kelly Pfeffer. She's the chair um, of the, I'm going to make sure I get this right this time. She's the chair of the board for the Australian Association of Graduate Employers. And she has a wealth of experience from the public sector as well as the private sector around 
graduate recruitment, online testing, as well as online interviews. Kelly, you've just finished 280 online interview reviews. Mm-hmm. How did it go? Actually, it's, it, it wasn't too bad because the, the one that we use is a pre-recorded interview. So we, are, as a team, we're able to watch them and review them um, in small numbers at a time. Um, so what we like to do is maybe not do more than 20 in a day so that we can maintain and be subjective because... I don't, it's like anything, if you do it 50 times in a day, you start to get weary and you start to not pay attention. So we like to sort of keep it to about 20 a day so that we can focus and um, treat everyone fairly and review everyone fairly. But um, it's it's not too bad. It's um, Each one only goes for about six or seven minutes, so it's nice, short and sharp. But what it really does for us is, because from our perspective, it's the first time that we've actually... Um, seen the person so um, mm. I, I suppose going back to the other points a lot of it is online now until we, you actually meet face to face but the video interview stage is an opportunity for us to recruiters as actually see the person see their um, body language um, and facial expressions as well as get the content through what they're actually saying as well. And it just gives us that little bit of extra insight that we haven't got so far um, through the online testing process. Can I just ask a clarification? I'm the dumb guy here. I'm the radio guy who doesn't know any of this stuff. And the two of you, you know what a Whirlpool forum is, you know everything you're talking about. Are these automated, like robot interviews? People sit down in front of their computer and they're asked six minutes worth of questions that they answer. There's no one actually asking the questions? So it depends on which it depends on which tool you I the tool we use allows me to record the questions so so they'll get the questions written on the screen but they'll also see me asking in a video question. asking right. the questions so how, but there's different uh, tools so yeah yeah nice okay and and maybe I'm going to go somewhere that Lou was going to eventually or was going to avoid but this just comes to me at this point this mm-hmm. you said um, Kelly this is the first time that you've been able to see the person and mm-hmm. you looked at body language. Uh, that's where unconscious biases, I suppose, can then creep into the recruitment process. Absolutely. How do you counter yep. that at that stage? So what what we do is only my team reviews the video interviews. So we don't share the video interviews with leaders or anyone else in the business. Um, it is only my team who have been trained in how to actually assess people in the interviews. Um, so that we, and we also cross-check. So while I will watch a group of video interviews the first time round, someone from my team will watch them as a second review and make sure that they agree with the way I've shortlisted them. So so there's a couple of things we've got in play there that makes sure that um, everyone is sort of treated and reviewed equally. Hmm. I'm dead curious. Have you seen any disasters with these interviews? Yes. There's always every, look, Lou, every campaign always has um, the, you know, the same sort of uh, situations occur and, and, you know, and, you know, simple things like mums walking into the room. (laughs) um, No. It's like the dogs running uh, across 
the keyboard. <laughs> but, or... but, it's, but it's, surely it's how they react to that. You could actually really get yes, some positive. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you know, and <laughs> some of them have gone on to be you know our you know grads in our business because they were able to actually deal with that very. Yeah. Like situation. surely a cat, a cat is actually absolutely. a positive, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, um, you know, and you know, we've had ones too where you start to recognise the same background because obviously there's a there must be in a share house or. <laughs> Um, you know, and they're all using the one computer and taking turns to do the interview. So there's always some interesting things. Or that um, one lab at uni that everyone's yeah, been booking, right. one after exactly. the other. That's right, because it was the only one that had the good internet access. So, um, but you look, the beauty for the candidates too is, is, unlike the old days of doing phone interviews, you know, phone interviews used to be a screening stage as well, but you'd have to schedule them in every 10 minutes for about three weeks and the candidate had to be available at that time, the recruiter had to be available at that time. Um, whereas with video interview, they can record it at any time of the day um, that's convenient to them and you know, and it literally only takes 10 minutes um, for them to get through that process um, and we're able to review it on our end. Um, and have people check it. So, and the same with phone interviews, it's only one recruiter, whereas with video interviews, we're able to get a couple of recruiters to check it and make sure that um, they can validate that that person meets the benchmark. So, so there's definitely some positives, um, but we certainly recognise as well that it's still a fairly new tool um, for a lot of students. They may not have done it before, um, but like anything, you know, um, it's just that awareness. As long as you know what it is you're expecting and you've prepared for it, it sh- you know it should you should be able to complete it. Okay. Now, Kelly, our career development team gave some of the a software providers product to go. Uh-huh. Now we had to paraphrase Eminem one shot at it. There was no re-records, mm-hmm. and I had phone calls in the middle of it because no one knew I was sitting there uh-huh. recording me. Um, so. Do, is that what you use? You've got one shot or can you give it a few practice runs or do you have a window open in time that it has to be submitted? Uh, how do you deal with that? Sure. So we, we always give our candidates at least five days to complete the video interview so they can do it at any time in those, in those five days. Um, we do give instructions up front to make sure that they're in a space where they won't be disrupted. Um, so we tell them up front that, they can't re-record responses. So make sure you're in a quiet space that you're not going to be interrupted. We do give our candidates the first question. So we do give them the first question up front so that they've got at least one question that they can prepare for. They don't get all the questions? No. So then the following Uh two questions, they get... You never get the questions ahead of time in a job interview, though. I always used to give them out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was nice graduating. And then the second two questions, um, they get a, a minute to see them before they start recording their answer. Yeah, okay. Um, so they do see it for a minute. They can gather their thoughts and then, um, and then they, they record their response. So I think part of what we're trying to do with that is, and look, we don't ask necessarily very hard questions. Um, we ask in our video, so we don't actually ask behavioural-based questions in our video interview. We actually ask um, skills-based questions. Um, so one of our questions in the last, this last round, for example, was tell us about something you enjoy doing and why. 
Hmm. So it's not something that's there to trick them. All we're trying to do is find out a little bit more about them, you know, what makes them tick, you know, what gets them excited about getting out of bed every day. So, so we don't ask hard questions, but we just want to check that they're comfortable with being able to talk about themselves. What's the wrong answer to that question, by the way? Um, well, if there's no really wrong answer, but I, <laughs> what's a boring answer yeah. is um, that you get a lot of them saying, oh, I really enjoy working in a team because, you know, or I really enjoy... They're trying too hard, in other words. Yeah. yeah, and so they you, You're looking for kayaking. Yeah, that's right. We wanted people, like we had a cheerleader, we had mountain climbers, we had, um, you know, people who enjoy eating and, you know, like we have, we just want to know a bit about you and your personality and, you know, what what makes you excited type thing. So that's what we want to know. No, eventually um, a robot is going to be able to look at these videos for you. Absolutely. Mm, and check <laughs> eye movement and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. They'll but always yeah, need a grad lady. Right. No. Yeah, this is true. Robo you always need a grad lady to check the robot's doing the right thing. <laughs> yes, my, my robot minions recruiting all well, the if graduates. Well, you, if you guys can't protect oh. your future careers, the rest of us are stuffed, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, they'll have to download our, our brains into the robot, Spencer. We're future-proofed. Oh, yes. <laughs> Artificial intelligence can only go so far, hey? That's very that's true. Um, I'm just thinking... Right. Yeah, that's right. I'm just thinking, give us your hot tips. How do you get mm. through this? The video interview. Yeah, how do you prepare mm -hmm. to be your best um, when yep. you hit record? So I think the main tips that we give our candidates is do your research about our organisation just exact, exactly as though you would coming to a face-to-face -face interview. Um, so you need to really understand what it is that we do, the role that you have applied for. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I am pretty sure the candidates don't actually know the role that they've applied for. Um, I think they've just randomly, you know, put a, an application in hoping for something but not actually understanding what it is that they've applied for. Um, and then there's all the technical stuff around video interview as well. So, you know, making sure that your laptop's working, making sure that the webcam's working, that, you know, you, whether you need a special microphone because the microphone on your laptop's not working, like test everything, make sure that your lighting is good so that we can actually see you in your video interview as well. Um, yes. But I think it's most important and it's it's almost like preparing for a sport event and stuff too. Like, make sure you get enough sleep. Make sure you're focused. Do it at a time of day where you know you're at your best. You know, put some. Make sure you're in a quiet space. Make sure you tell everyone around you, "Hey, I'm doing my interview now. Please just give me 20 minutes to to get through this." Um, Including your mum, right? You that's don't. right. You know, <laughs> and so it's all about the preparation type thing all so, of those are good tips for job interviews in general absolutely that's so right. yeah it's really the same apply isn't it it is that's right so Excellent. and you know what there's there's nothing wrong as well with practicing talking to yourself in the mirror as well um you know like just and, and it might feel a bit weird but just initially just you know if you talk to yourself in the mirror just to see how your facial expressions work and all of that sort of stuff so that you get comfortable looking at yourself on screen while you're talking. Thank you so much for your tips and taking us on a journey about online tests and online interviews. You're welcome. 
Thank, Kelly's thanks. been fascinating to have on the show this week. We could talk to Kelly for hours, I feel. I've learned so much. I think it's we might great. have to invite her back. Yes. That's Spencer's and I take on that, Kelly. I hope you're available to come back in the future. Always. Lovely. <laughs> we want to ask the grad lady, the grad recruiter, the grad developer, you, Kelly Pfeffer, mm. what's the best career advice you've ever received? So when, and it probably took me a while to realise that it was actually true as well, because, you know, sometimes you have to work these things out for yourself. But um, it was actually just to say yes to everything, um, because you just never know what opportunities are going to lead to the next opportunity. And, and I think I see this sometimes in the grads that we recruit as well, in that a lot of them have these preconceived ideas around where their career is going to go. And, and that could be based on different things like family influences or the, the course that they studied and things like that. But I think it's just about having an open mind. And you might actually find yourself in an area that you never really knew you'd end up in, but you absolutely love it. And But you're never going to know that or find that out if you don't, you know, take those opportunities as they're presented to you. So um, so that's probably the, the biggest, is having that open-mindedness and and just looking at every opportunity as, as an opportunity to, to learn and develop and, and grow in your career, I think. So has saying yes helped you remove your own personal biases and therefore it's revealed things you would never have considered? Absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't have ended up in the grad space if I hadn't have said yes. Um, you know, and here I am in in the industry that I absolutely love, but it was never, ever on my radar at any point in my early career. So um, I just happened to be sitting in the right desk on the right day when someone said, hey, we need someone to look after the grad program now. And, um, you know, that was 11 years ago. So um, I just think it's, you know, it's something I've learned for myself and it was something that I was told earlier on but never really knew it until I actually experienced it. Well, I'm glad you said yes because that means I, I met you 10 years ago exactly. and that was pretty fantastic when I started to get into Aww. grad world myself. Yeah. So thank you for being on the show. You're it's welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. No Kelly, Lovely talking to you. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> thank you. Kelly Pfeffer. And, you know, Jamie Dunn talks about that as well, that he wouldn't have, he always um, still says yes first and then works out how to do it second. And, and for him, he was a country music singer, he was asked to to dance on an ABC TV show, on a like, ballroom dance. He didn't know how to dance, but he said yes. Then he went and got some lessons and danced, and it all led to agro, and agro led to B105, and, you know, the there you go. Just history, like that. Yes. Thank you for listening to Unleash Your Career. Now, if you know anyone who could benefit from the information in today's episode, invite them to discover us as well. Unleash Your Career is produced at the University of Southern Queensland Springfield Campus. <laughs>